Marshall, thank you for having me in your home. You're always so gracious. Oh, very happy to be here. Very happy to be working with you. I, uh, I, I'm especially proud, as you know, of being part of your 100 Coaches Legacy Team. Um, Wonderful group. Yeah, we, uh, we're also fortunate to, uh, to have you as our fearless leader, and we are trying very, very hard to pay it forward. Um, in that regard, I wanted you to know, because I'm not sure if you already know, that at least 10 of the MG100s have offered to be in the app, and some of them have already been um, interviewed for the app and offered the kind of coaching and thought leadership that is just world-class and is going to make this app fantastic. That's wonderful. So thank you for the just the mentorship that has made that happen. Um, I wanted to um, give a little bit of introduction um, to you, but of course I'm going to ask you what, what I I want you to tell us what you feel your most incredible achievement has been. And you can feel free to throw in the top three or four. But okay. for me, the, the fact that you've, um, you've authored and edited, I think it's over 38 books at this point. Is that right? 40. 40. Okay, I should have known. Um, sold over 2.5 million copies. Are you going to say 3 million? Nope. No. No. Okay, okay. And, uh, and, and, and had them translated into... 32 countries or so. Okay, that part I got right. I mean, that in itself um, is 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 such a such a testament to your work. My personal favorite. Um, well, I have I have a couple. Um, Triggers is one of my favorites, mm -hmm. and um, what got you here won't get you there. I love that one, and and now we have um, how women rise with Sally Helgeson, right? That's it. That book has done amazingly well. I'm so happy. Um, now, one of the things that I want to ask you, because of course you know what I do for a living is diversity and inclusion, so of course I'm going to have a very uh, you know, warm place in my heart for the How Women Rise uh, book. Sure. And I was wondering if you might, um, in the context of coaching women, can mm -hmm. you offer some insights either independently or from the book? with regard to um, what women need to do differently in order to rise to the C-suite? Well, you know, in the book, we talk about several different factors that women have that are a little unique and different than men in most cases. And one of the ones that, that really dawned on me, and I learned it from Sally, I didn't invent this myself, was the idea of women more than men are more likely to sacrifice their career for their job. Hmm, tell me what you mean by that. Well, it's a very counterintuitive idea, and Sally's taught me this idea. Women, more than men, have this illusion that if I do a good job, I will advance. Mm -hmm. As opposed to saying, if I do a good job, I'm doing a good job. I may or may not advance. And many women, uh, which is connected to perfectionism, many women, let's say they're doing a 95% quality job really want to put in that 100% extra effort to get up to 99%. As opposed to saying, you know, I'm doing 95, that's great. Why don't I take it 5% and look at my future, mm -hmm. look at my career, look at the next job, and really focus on that issue of moving forward. And it plays out in many ways. One of them is perfectionism, feeling the need to do a perfect job. And the ultimate nightmare scenario is this. Uh, woman gets a job. The boss gives you an assignment. You just bust it and do a fantastic job. In recognition for this fantastic job, where you get? More work. More work. You busted some more, you get even more work. Then you become what? Indispensable. Mm -hmm. Now you In that particular position. Yeah, now you're indispensable. Understood. And you're never going to get promoted. 
so you get into this loop of just work, 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 and with the illusion that somehow this is going to lead someplace, and often it leads no place. Mm -hmm. uh, connected to that is women are more likely than men to fall in love with their work team, which is a man would almost never say, well, yeah, I know I could get promoted, but I would have to leave my team and I would feel bad about it. Understood. Women are much more likely to say, well, the team needs me. I can't leave them now. You know, I would feel bad about leaving as opposed to saying, wait a minute, this is an opportunity for me to make a much bigger impact later down the road. So it sounds to me like for, for whatever reason, whether it's socialization or uh, what have you, that we as women may tend to be less strategic in our approach to accepting certain positions. Mm -hmm. Or even what? What about in terms of reaching out? Do as women do we t tend to reach out as much as we should for stretch assignments and high visibility opportunities? Well, I would say women are just less self-promotional. I wouldn't use the word strategic. Okay. Less self-promotional. Men are more likely to promote themselves. Now, three hundred and sixty feedback. The average woman gets better feedback than the average man as a leader. That's not a theory. It's a fact. Thousands of people have studied. The average woman is much harder on herself than the average man is on himself. I can vouch for that. Women are much more self-critical than men. So what happens with women more than men is they don't go for the next job. They might say things, well, I'm not sure I'm ready. Well, a man is like 50% less ready. He's going, well, I think I can do it. Whereas a woman is saying, well, I'm not sure I'm ready yet. Well, you know, compared to what? Mm -hmm. Compared to that man you're competing against, you may be twice as ready. What about uh, this whole concept of... Um uh, not so much mentorship, but sponsorship. I, I, my observation has been that men do that um, sort of naturally. It's not mm -hmm. that one man comes to another and says, will you sponsor me in the organization? Will you, will you think about me? Will you put my name forward? Will you support me? But it tends to happen more naturally. Have you found that? that well, in our book, we talk about something called not just building, but leveraging relationships. Okay. Women are that. actually typically better at building relationships than men are more relationship-oriented, reach out more. Women have trouble asking for the order. So what that means is, as a woman, you do a favor for someone, you're less hesitant to come back and say, now I'd like you to do a favor for me. Mm -hmm. For men, it's much more of a transaction. Not negative, but it's win-win. Look, I'm helping you here. I'm going out of my way to do good things for you. As an expectation, I'm gonna ask you to help me down the road. Women, then to women, that would feel much more manipulative and, Gee, I wasn't really just being a good person. Right. I was helping someone, then I shouldn't really expect them to help me as a payback. So we're bet we're good at building relationships, but not not necessarily comfortable with leveraging those. Leveraging relationships. relationships okay. Right. Yeah. Makes sense. And, and back to that part of sponsoring and mentoring is somebody asking for the work. Right. Tell tell us what you mean by asking for the order, because some people might not be familiar with that expression. Well, it's a you know you're in sales. Mm -hmm. You have to ask somebody for the order. Yeah, they ask them, will you sign on the line to buy this product? Right. right. Well, in terms of mentoring, let's say you're my boss. Am I willing to say, will you be my mentor? Right. You know, will you help me? You know, or you're my peer. You know, I really helped you over here and here. I'd really appreciate you helping me with here and here, here. I think, um, you know, we sometimes have difficulty being vulnerable and, and as leaders, we feel like we have to have all the answers instead of realizing that everyone who gets ahead actually has done it with the help of others. That's right. That is exactly right. I mean, I can speak for myself. I mean, how did I get into business? I met Paul Ersey. 
and he became double booked. And he said, "You need to do what I do." And I said, "I don't know." He said, "I'll pay a thousand dollars for a day." I was making fifteen thousand dollars for a year. I said, "I'll try." And I did this program; it was very successful. And here I am. Well, if it weren't for him, I wouldn't be sitting here. Right. I remember it was actually um, very far into my career um, that I, I spoke with Gary Rich, as you know, uh, your friend and mine, CEO of WD40. Mm-hmm. And um, I'll never forget, after we finished the engagement, um, Gary said this was an incredible enga- engagement. You did a great job. And joking around, I said, well, I, you know, you know, tell all your friends. And he said, why don't you ask me um, to do what you need me to do to promote you, you know, right. to the next client. And I said, and, and so I did. And he literally allowed us to bring a film crew in and did a testimonial. And in a million years, I would have never thought to ask for that. I would have thought I was imposing in some way. And he was happy when you asked for it. Yeah, he really was. Mm-hmm. He told me that he was honored and happy to help. Yeah. And I think that as we get on in our career too, um, it is. It becomes part of our legacy to feel like we're making a difference in others' lives. It is. And again, I think women more than men, being willing to say, this is win-win. It's not negative or manipulative or bad, it's win-win. I'm helping you, you're helping me, we're helping each other. It's a, it's a team effort as opposed to, I'm just helping you. What are some of the other um, nuances of coaching a female leader? And, and, and in particular, what I'm interested in is I feel like um, we have this extra layer that we have to go through. We have to stand out in order to be considered leaders. We have to fit in at the same time, whereas I feel men don't have to focus on that. And then also, if we are, you know, have this sort of very active energy, we're sometimes considered too aggressive. But if we don't have that, then we're sometimes considered to be too passive to be a leader. Right. What, 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 do we, what do we do about that? What would you coach a woman who is grappling with those issues in her organization? Well, if life is compared to what? Compared to the old days, it's a lot better than it used to be. Yes, fair so, enough. So it's much better than it was. And I would say, you know, really, do you have a fair chance in the organization? Sometimes you don't. Leave. Mm-hmm. Just leave. Have the courage to leave. The best thing that you can do for yourself and other women is leave. Because if enough women leave, Guess what? Things will change. Mm-hmm. It becomes obvious the organization has problems. If they don't leave, then they can kind of rationalize things aren't really that bad. So sometimes you're not going to win them all. Now, Peter Drucker taught me a great lesson. Our mission in life is to make a positive difference, not to prove we're smart or right. And in this case, he also said every decision is made by the person who has the power to make the decision, make peace with that. Decisions aren't made based on fairness or logic or rationality, they're based on power. Whoever has the power to make the decision makes the decision. That's life. So if I need to influence you, you have the power to make the decision. One word to describe you is customer. One word to describe me as salesperson. You don't have to buy it. Sell what you can sell. If you can sell it, sell it. If you can change it, change it. If you can't sell it, you can't change it. Let it go. Move right. on. Right. Move it on. And you can't sell them all. Right. If you run into a block, some companies just, I'm not saying this is fair, you're not going to win them all. The best thing you can do is go someplace else. I always tell everyone that I coach, offers are good. You don't take them. You can always say no, but you can never reject a job offer you don't have. A lot of people say, I'm not sure I'd like this. I say, well, do you have an offer? No. 
Don't worry about that. Well, you're not sure you'd like an offer you don't have. Right? Right. Nobody's offering you this right. job. Right? Right. So why are you putting down some job offer you don't have? Right? You get the offer first. So I think getting an offer is a good thing. Being open-minded, going for the offer, you have alternatives there. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. What um, what kind of coaching uh, would when you... One of the women I coached, it's a funny story, she, uh, she really felt she was hitting a wall. Mm -hmm. So I told her, get another offer. She said, okay, goodbye. And they said, well, here's $5 million. More. Stay. It's not about money. 10. 15. Finally, 23. She said, okay. Yeah. No, <laughs> at 23, it might be about money. <laughs> so, that's a good number. That's great. It's about money. I'll just, take the money. Well, if she hadn't had the offer, that wouldn't have happened. Now, she took the money. She stayed another four years or so. That contract ran out. Now she's CEO someplace else. Right. Good. Right. God bless her. Exactly. And she's got money in the bank. Right. <laughs> um, is there any sort of um, advice or coaching that you would give to men uh, in terms of their um, interaction with women um, in the workplace and, and, and basically how to help them advance as opposed to kind of being part of the problem? Yeah, I would say the, the main thing is who bears your league, CEO Best Buy, so was CEO Best Buy. Now, Corey, a woman is CEO Best Buy, mm -hmm. and he just has the interesting idea toward diversity. He said, there's no excuse for not having that. He just said, we are going to set targets, we will make these targets, and this is going to happen. Do you, do you have any idea of, from a business point of view, of why he felt that was important? Well, he felt it was important to represent customers, but he also felt the company is going to be just as well off, if not better off. He didn't feel like taking business yet. He was number two CEO of the year in the United States last year before he retired. Company's stock is up 500 points, so it didn't actually hurt anything very much. And so his attitude is, yeah, we can do this, just do it, as opposed to let's analyze this. Today. Right, let's get it done. Yeah. Um, okay, so that that is unbelievably helpful. I'm trying to um, think if there's anything else um, from the book that, that might be particularly compelling to share with our listeners. Um, one of the things that comes to mind is, um, what about the, uh, the whole concept of protectionism? Yeah, women tend to be more feeling that need to protect people. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, being the parent almost, of, you know, and if they fail, it's, it's my fault. Whereas a man is much more like, say, well, I gave you an opportunity, you didn't succeed, life, life goes on, move on. So I think one thing with women more than men, it's just the need to move on. The other thing I add is guilt. Women just tend to have a lot more guilt than men. So uh, one thing I tell you know women is, forgive yourself for whatever's real or magnificent sin you may have committed in the past. Don't carry this around all the time, because you know too many women carry around all this guilt and sense of perfectionism. And I have to be this perfect person, and you know why? Life's too short for that. Just move on, move on. Don't carry that stuff around, and you know just be willing to move on, and, and also take it seriously, but not personal. Okay, that makes total sense. Um, I, I think I'd like to, if you're okay with it, ask you some questions about, um, about team building. Sure. Um, so as we know, a strong team is a product of high engagement, collaboration, um, overall um, morale, mm -hmm. and it's the leader's job to foster um, an inclusive team to, to make that happen, you know, where everybody sort of enjoys this mutual respect. 
Um, and when you have it, then you can drive diverse ideas, right? right? When you don't have it, then you might have a team with a number of ideas in their heads that are not expressed because that sort of feeling of um, it's okay to speak up and give ideas right. and not necessarily worry about failure, but just kind of generate that, you know, that, that diverse ideation. Mm -hmm. um, so what, what can leaders do to foster that in a team, uh, in a team building environment? Well, a couple of things. I'm going to talk about this from two perspectives. First, I learned from my friend Alan Mulally. He was the CEO of Ford, CEO of the United States. We were writing a book together now. You've met him. Just a great, great yeah, man. Nice him. person. Just awesome. Wonderful person. But one thing he did was assume they have rules. Mm -hmm. And zero tolerance for bad behavior. You don't make fun of people. You don't put people down. You don't make sarcastic comments. You, you do this. You don't do that. You have fun, but not at its expense. And he creates a psychologically safe environment. And so if you look at Google, they just did a big study on teamwork. But most important factor is psychological safety. People feel like they can express their opinions without getting killed. Now, I have a process called team building without time wasting. And that builds on something called feed forward. I love this feed forward idea because it addresses exactly what you talked about. In feed forward, you learn to ask for ideas. You listen to the ideas. You think about the ideas. And you thank people for the ideas, and you don't critique, you don't judge the ideas. Uh, I'm a Buddhist, and Buddhists said, only do what I teach works for you. It doesn't work for you, so you just don't do it. Well, in feed forward, you learn to ask for ideas, and you treat the ideas like a gift. So you don't say stinky gift or bad gift, or I don't like your gift. You thank people for the gift. And it's, it's really a centerpiece of a lot of my teaching and coaching and team building. So we have a process called team building and on time wasting. So the way it works is, you start out with a team, say, okay, we ask two questions, one to ten scale. How well are we doing in terms of working together as a team, and how well do we need to be doing? The average team says we are 5.8, we wish we were 8.7. And that's thousands of teams. Most of us don't feel our teams are working together as well as they should. So what I tell leaders is if your team says we are 5.8, we wish we were 8.7, don't feel bad. Right. That doesn't mean you're evil or something. That's the norm. Right. Most of us don't feel our teams are working as well together as they should. That's fine. So let's say the average is 5.8, 8.7. And you say, okay, we've got a goal. Reduce the gap between 5.8 and 8.7. Next step is every team member asks every other team member to think about this topic. If you had to pick one behavior for everyone in this team to improve, what would it be? And then I'll start thinking, and then each person writes down one or two behaviors such as treat people with respect or listen or set clear. It's all common sense, typically. Right. And then you prioritize. So the team picks one behavior that everyone is going to work on. For example, let's say the team picks, we're all going to be better listeners, which is common. Then you say each person asks each other person a one-on-one -on -one dialogue that works very quickly, feed forward. It sounds like this. Let's say you're my team member. Let's say, Denise, you know, uh, we're at a 5.8 in terms of teamwork. We're going to get to an 8.7. Everyone's working on listening. Other than being a better listener, what's one suggestion for me that if I did this, it would really improve the quality of teamwork? What would it be? And then whatever you say, I say thank you. And you say, Marshall, what's one for me? And then you talk to somebody else. This whole exercise takes 10 minutes. After 10 or, 10 or 20 minutes, you talk to everybody in the whole team. Mm -hmm. and you say, okay, and everybody's a list. And you tell each person to pick one. So now each person picks one behavior for himself or herself. Then we build an ongoing follow-up process that sounds like this. You know, uh, Denise, three questions. Number one, 
Uh, last month, we're really going to focus on team building. So it's been a month. We also want to be better listeners. Give me one idea to help me be a great listener based on last month. Number two, my personal area is recognition. Give me one idea to help with recognition. And then number three, I just want to be a great team player. Give me one idea. You give me ideas, I say thank you. Then you say, Marshall, I gave you three ideas. You say thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Build in an ongoing follow-up process. My research on this, we wrote an article called Leadership's Context Board. It's very compelling. If you just do this, overall team behavior gets better and better because everyone on the team is focused on fixing himself or herself. Mm -hmm. The problem with most team building, it degenerates into, let's all talk about what's wrong with you. Nobody's pointing the finger here. Right. Let's all fix your problem today. Well, the world doesn't get a whole lot better when we focus on fixing everyone else's problems. The world gets a whole lot better when I start focusing on my own problems. Understood. And then you follow up, follow up, follow up, measure, follow up, and then people get better. I love that. And I love that. I'm here with Marshall Goldsmith. And Marshall, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us as usual. And I can't wait to see you again soon. Thank you so much. Thanks.